Pastor Xavier Reese, ensuring victory over the flesh by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. As long as you and I are trusting in our energies to live the life of Christ through mere obedience, through laws and rules, and not the power of the Spirit, we will eat it every time. The solution to not living a life of defeat is to acknowledge one's inability to defeat sin nature and one's need to depend on Jesus Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. A slave is a person under the domination of another, and because of this, he cannot do what he wants to do. Rather, he must do what he doesn't want to do, even what he hates. So also, the person who is a slave of sin is in a perplexing struggle. What he wants to do, he doesn't do, but what he hates to do, that he does. But coming up in today's Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier explains finding freedom is in first losing confidence in the flesh for what only the Spirit can do. Let's listen. Romans chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 14 through 25. The message entitled, Willful Defeat and Failure to Sin Nature. As Paul demonstrates his own problem to live out the victorious life of sanctification. Now, allow me to remind you that the theme of chapter 6, 7, and 8 is the life of sanctification. Therefore, let me point out some very important things before we move on to help us better understand this seventh chapter. Chapter 7 is key. The seventh chapter is the feeble process we attempt to accomplish in the sanctified life in the energies of the flesh instead of the energies of the Holy Spirit. The eighth chapter is the final product of life in the Spirit. Not sinless, not perfect, but conquering, victorious, despite the difficulty, despite the tragedies. I'm abiding in Christ, living it through the power of the Spirit. Very important. The old man is to be put off like an old garment, and the new man is to be put on. Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3 tell you that very, very clear. That means you can do it. I can do it. It's not an option, it's not a choice, it's not a suggestion, but a command. The nature of Paul's flesh retained sin nature, and it was evil. Now secondly, the problem of his flesh, 18 through 23. In verse 18, Paul the apostle proclaimed two principles that caused the problem. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. Paul declared that in his flesh, sin nature, the old man, nothing good dwells. The statement does not mean that man has no potential for good, for he does. We're creating the image and likeness of God. But yet we are fallen and marred through the fall but we still retain the good. We can do good things. But the statement means that man's constant bent is towards evil at heart. We have a potential for good, but our bent is towards evil. Jeremiah 79 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Only God knows it. Who knows it? Only God. Jesus confirms this, Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. The statement means 
that what makes itself at home in the old man is not good, but evil. Now notice in 18 still, Paul declared that he was willing to obey, but did not find the ability to do it. For to will is present with me. But how, and here's the key, to perform what is good, I do not find. The will is of the new man, for to will is present with me. The will, literally, the being constantly desirous. No non-believers constantly desiring to do the will of God. Only a Christian can do that. The new man. The ability to perform the good was lacking then. He says, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Paul was desiring to do the will of God as the new man. He was looking for the potential to enable him, but it did not reside within him. He came up empty. As long as you and I are looking to ourselves, we will come up empty. He was depending on his own efforts to do God's will, and he was defeated. Now, look at 19. The Apostle Paul provides the evidence of what he just said. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Bummer. Paul declared that he was willing to do good, but disobeyed. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. He knew, but he didn't do. He disobeyed. He knew right from wrong, but he wanted to do right. He instead was rebellious and drawn to do wrong. You been there? Only a Christian can do that. This is Paul's personal experience, willing to do good without empowerment to do it. This is in the present tense again, the whole section. Now, Paul declared his unwillingness to do evil also, but he committed it. He says, but the evil, verse 19, that I will not to do, that I practice. Bummer. He knew evil from good, and he did not want to do evil. He nevertheless practiced the evil. This is Paul's personal experience again of will for not doing evil without empowerment to stop him. For the good that I, the new man, will to do, I, the old man, do not do. But the evil I, the new man, will not to do, that I, the old man, practice. <laughs> you think he's schizophrenic, but he isn't. It's almost like Bud Abbott and Luke Costello. Who's on first? Who's on second? Isn't that? We must not fail to take note of the content that dominates this chapter. The entire chapter is dominated by the flesh, sin nature, and law, and death. In 20, Paul once again declared the culprit is not him, but sin nature in him. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Paul, again, is not saying that he's not responsible for his sin, but that it is sin nature, the old man, not the new man. Again, it cannot be as an excuse. It's an explanation 
on what's going on. Verse 21, Paul declared the acknowledgement of the two natures again. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. He identified this principle present with him as evil. Underline that. Sin nature, the old man. He identified himself as the one who wills to do good, the new man, the Christian. Paul again points out the two natures of the Christian as before in verse 19 to make sure that they get it. Look at 22. Paul declared his commitment to God now. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. The object of Paul's rejoicing was the word of God, the law of God. Look at 23. Paul declared the fierce battle of the two natures. Okay? He, in direct contrast, sees another law, which here the word law is not used mosaic law, but principle at work. In my members, my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears, my brain, warring against the law of my mind, the new man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. The word but, again, the sharp contrast between his delight in the law of God, the word, and his sin nature. The inward man is synonymous with mine, the revived, the renewed conscience of a Christian. When I'm born again, bing, the word of God comes alive. Right and wrong. I know there's a God. I know I'm to live differently. The term warring is a military term describing expeditions and battles against someone, and the warfare is spiritual against the law of my mind and inner man. You know anything about that? Been there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he understands clearly the intent and goal of sin nature. Look at the end of 23. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. The defeat is being brought into captivity, meaning to be led away as a prisoner in the present active tense. This is autobiographical. This is Paul's experience. Paul is describing himself as a Christian, but carnal, soul under sin nature, not having the empowerment to defeat sin nature. There is the law of God in verse 22, his word, There is a law in my members to manifest sin, verse 23. There is a law of sin nature, the source of sin, verse 23. And there is a law of his mind, the will, reason, and conscience of the new man, verse 23. Now the language of military warfare is consistent with the language of the entire section, chapter 6, 7, and 8. The word instruments in Romans 6.13, remember, is weapons. These hands, these eyes, are now weapons either for destruction or for edification. If I yield to sin nature, they bring destruction to me and others, my relationship to God. If I use them for the glory of God, yielding to the new nature, then they edify. They bring good, right? The word wages in Romans 6.23, the wage of sin is death, is sin nature. Is the wages paid to a soldier during a service, military term. The word opportunity in 7-8 means the military base of operation. 
Sin nature uses the law as the base of operation because it provokes it to bring about sin. This is not warfare. This is willful defeat. Psalm 10.4, listen. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Listen to Jesus. He asked his disciples as he went to the garden to watch and pray with him. He went out to pray. He returned back. And when he came back, Jesus said to them, he found them sleeping. Watch and pray, lest you enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, meaning utterly impotent to accomplish the work. As long as you and I are trusting in our energies to live the life of Christ through mere obedience, through laws and rules, and not the power of the Spirit, we will eat it big time. Every time. The problem of Paul's flesh was the absence of power to perform the things of God. Now comes the solution for his flesh then. 24 and 25. Notice 24. Paul the apostle had to acknowledge his impotent condition of a wretched man. Very important. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul describes himself as wretched. And the word wretched means miserable, distressed, afflicted, due to enduring toil and troubles. It is a cry of despair. It is a cry of frustration. It is a cry of helplessness. I don't care how bad you think you are. I don't care how many muscles you think you have. You just go out there swimming in the ocean and you get caught in the current and you really believe you're drowning, you will cry out for help like a little girl because you really believe you're going to die. Until you really believe it, you will not call for the lifeguard. Paul despaired crying out for help from his impotent condition. Listen to him. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul Christ. His cry of help comes in the form of a question. You notice that? The question is similar to the rhetorical ones that Paul has asked before. The question appears to be ignorant to the answer. Who shall deliver me? But in reality, it has an obvious answer that Paul himself will answer, as he always does. The answer will be found in the next verse. It is anticipated, and Paul already knows the answer since he's reporting this autobiographical portion of his life now to the Romans. Notice Paul's cry is for one to be rescued from the body of death. The body of death again identifies a person in the present continuous failure of defeat because of sin nature and attempting to fight sin nature in the energies of their own flesh. The cry of Paul is regarding the body of death, indicating a practice of the day. When someone kills somebody, what they used to do is take that cadaver and they would put him face to face to the person who killed him, tie his neck to neck, arm to arm, torso to torso, leg to leg, and leave him alone. And that corpse would begin to rot and overtake the living one. What a horrible way to die. This is what Paul is saying. This is how he's describing it. As long as you live in the energy of the flesh, you will feel like you're carrying out a stinking, rotting body that's just consuming you. What a vivid picture. The cry is not for what or how. It's who. Underline that. 
Who shall deliver me? The pronoun who speaks of a person. He is no longer looking within himself for the deliverance. The cry is for someone outside of himself, not within himself. So notice 25. The apostle Paul acknowledged his liberated gratitude here for the provisions of God to not live as a wretched man any longer. Listen to his words. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul broke out in an elated expression of appreciation. The thanks is to God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, the one who sent his son to die for our sins of the entire world, John 3, 16. Notice the thanks is given through Messiah. The name Jesus means Yahweh is salvation, identifying his humanity. He was a real man. The title Christ, Christos, means anointed, the Messiah of the Old Testament. The title Lord, Kurios, means master owner, having complete authority over a person. He is God who became man, and he is the Messiah, and he is the Lord of my life. And so Paul broke out in celebration of his liberation to acknowledge the tension of war, but not the defeat any longer. Not the defeat any longer. Listen to his words. So then, conclusion, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He came to grips that he could be victorious over sin nature so as to not live defeated. He had to look to the new man. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. The word serve, deluo, means to be a slave by choice. From the word dulos, Paul says, I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament concept of the old slave with the earring, right? By choice, he served his master. The law, here it, is not Mosaic law, but the principle of his mind. It's his will, reason, and conscience of the new man. The one justified, sanctified, being dependent on Jesus Christ. There's the key. He will finish in chapter 12, verse 1. I beg you by the mercy of Jesus Christ that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and be not fashioned to this world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To prove what is that good, except on the perfect will of God. The new man. The mind of Christ. The law of God is his word. Verse 22 told us that. Now notice he had to be aware of the old man, sin nature, that cannot be defeated by the energy of the flesh. But with the flesh, the law of sin. So he acknowledges, I've got the new man and I still have the old man. The Christian sin nature is never eradicated, but made inoperative by the power of the Holy Spirit. You understand that? You experience that? Only you as a Christian can experience that. Now, the chapter break is most unfortunate. For the first four verses of chapter 8, Paul gives the answer of his willful defeat against sin nature by the energies of his own flesh, uh, the solution to it, the empowerment of the Spirit. Chapter divisions by man. Look at verse 1 of chapter 8. The provision is given. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the Spirit, not the energy of the flesh. There it is. The proclamation is in verse 2. The law or principle of the Spirit has made us free from the law of sin, nature, and death. And in verse 3, you have the problem of the law. Here's the answer. 
which answers back to the beginning of chapter 7. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, human ability, the law could not accomplish obedience. It couldn't empower you because of the weakness of human flesh. The culprit is in nature, not the law. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and account of sin nature and condemn sin nature in the flesh. Where? The cross. And so the empowerment of life is in verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. The spirit is mentioned 21 times in chapter 8. This is the solution to man's defeated state, having no confidence or trust in the flesh for what only the Spirit can do. I can't interpret it any other way. Six, seven, and eight go together. It would be like attempting to go through a two-foot thick wall by running straight at it or getting in a tank and driving through it. I do nothing. I'm just in the tank. I'm abiding in it. And I let the tank do the work for me. Yet I'm the recipient of the benefit, right? Simple. Now, the solution to not living a life of constant defeat to one's sin nature is to acknowledge one's own inability to defeat sin nature and one's need to depend on Jesus Christ. Romans 7, 18. Underline this verse. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but to how to perform what is good, I do not find. It's not in me. It's not in you. We're bankrupt. John 15, 5. Listen. I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Do you believe that? And so the personal victory is to live in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Where's your mind at? Flesh or Spirit? Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He's talking to Christians. Galatians 3, 3. Paul says, are you so foolish, Galatians? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now going to be made perfect in the flesh? Of course not. Galatians 5.16, I say, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The solution of Paul's flesh is the person and power of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Paul's defeated life through the energies of the flesh is marked by these three things. Mark them well. The nature of Paul's flesh, it is evil. And so is yours and mine. The problem of Paul's flesh, the absence of power to perform the things of God through any laws, rules, or obedience. The solution for Paul's flesh is the person and power of Christ through the Holy Spirit. That's chapter 7. You take it any other way, you will destroy book of Romans. You find a commentary, always open it up on Romans, open it up to chapter 7. If it says it's a non-believer, throw the commentary away. It's worthless. It gives you an excuse for your sin rather than confronting you with your sin. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, exposing our inability to overpower the energies of the flesh, except by the empowerment of the Spirit, simple truths he draws from our study of Romans chapter 7. Now, you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And we've had to break only partway through this study. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up your own personal copy or perhaps a copy to pass on to a friend. It's titled, Willful Defeat and Failure to Sin Nature. You can request a CD for just $4. And this will include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is Willful Defeat and Failure to Sin Nature. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 